Coming up on Chasing the Natty, it's officially 2022 season and we got a lot to talk about. The transfer portal continues to burn as we got more and more high impact players entering and exiting to new destinations. And finally, we answer the question, what happens when the Natty Chasers have their Natty? All that and more coming right up. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown, Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful day. I'm having a great day because today is the first snowfall in 2022 for Athens, Georgia, and more than likely, it'll probably be the only real snowfall that we get all year, but it's actually sticking to the ground. It's a miracle in Georgia today. I don't think y'all realize. As soon as we're finished with this podcast, I'm going outside. I'm going to play in the snow like I'm 10 years old because that's what I like to do. But anyway, welcome to the Chasing Daddy podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed that new intro. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I got actual things with it. It's not just some still image guys rolling across the screen. Got some actual video with it. Loving to do that now. But even still, uh, like I said, we're turning over the page officially to 2022. Pretty much almost all content from here on out. We'll be talking about what we're going to be doing uh, uh, into next year. But even still, we got an incredible show for you guys today. Uh, we got an incredible guest on. It's the, the first guest I ever had on Chasing the Natty. I uh, figured I'd bring him back on again to start off 2022. So Mitch, Mr. M Excuse me. The hitman himself, Mr. Mitch Hart. How you doing, sir? Every day is a great day to be Mitch, man. How are you doing? You should be on cloud nine. Uh, I'm at least on cloud seven for you, but... Uh, how you doing, man? I I am on cloud ten, my friend. Again, we'll we'll have plenty of time to discuss why I might be there, uh, <clears throat> Georgia National Championship. Um, but even so, I'm just stoked to really just officially turn the page over to 2022. Um, I'm started developing my rankings and everything. I've got my initial quarterback rankings. I got my initial running back rankings. I'm gonna be working on wide receiver rankings later today, um, and I'm really excited because in the next few weeks. Depending on how fast we get it done, we will have our first mock draft for CFF in 2022 done. And we will have, I will try to get some guests on to discuss that for you guys. So, so much exciting stuff going on. And again, uh, with some other things, more exciting announcements coming up. I keep teasing that the last couple of weeks, but again, things are just taking a little bit longer than I was expecting. But you, you guys are going to love what I will be doing in the next upcoming few weeks weeks but even still mitch i appreciate you coming back on and we're just going to start today with a couple questions i have for you i've been asking these to a couple of guests um that have been coming on the past couple of weeks and i figured i might as well get your opinion on it a uh, little bit of closing door in 2021 opening 2022 so biggest lesson you learned in college fantasy football this year all right, that's a good one. Uh, so for me, I guess I will answer that with systems matter. 
from scoring systems to waiver systems, and more importantly, offensive systems. You know, sometimes even a grizzled veteran like me uh, doesn't concentrate on some of the basics. And it kind of caught up to me this uh, the year. For, I guess what I mean is like, know your scoring system. Know when someone throws a tight end and you jump into a league, uh, your universe for that tight end or scoring systems for defense and just how important they can be. Sometimes I just take a very generic list. I don't always uh, dive down into those things. So systems matter. I'll be looking at every league individually a little closer with that. And with that, for me, the waiver system, one of the things mm -hmm. that I am going to make changes in the league that you and I are in, and I will push for others. No more, if you're in last, you get to pick first. In nearly every league that I was in, me included in a league, that was this way when I started off slow, I was able to pick up those good free agents at the beginning of the season. And, mm -hmm. that, and those guys really carried me to the end. And then finally, the offensive system from uh, Western Kentucky with everyone on their team. You should have known that from Houston Baptist. Um, Bama and their running back, again, was a stud, even though most experts were down on them. Ohio State, running backs from the Big 12, running backs from uh, the MAC. Systems matter. That's what I learned again in uh, 2021. I don't think that's a blessing you could ever really forget in CFF because, again, that's the thing that really differentiates it from like NFL and stuff like that, where a lot of people are like, oh my God, like, uh, like so many different players to keep track of in college fantasy. It's like, well, you keep track of college, you keep track of the players, of course, because you're going to have players that you would never expect it to be fantasy relevant, be fantasy relevant. But you can always count on the running back for Alabama uh, giving you a ton of points. The running back for Clemson, uh, Will Shipley, he's going to give you a ton of points this next year, regardless of whether he's going to be split in time with Kobe Pace or not. He's going to be great for you. Uh, the quarterback in a Mike, like, a Mike Leach system, he's always probably going to be a top 24, top, top 12 uh, QB for you. Uh, th there's just some things you can just get behind, no matter really who the player behind it is. Because sometimes it, the system is going to lift them up no matter what uh i definitely appreciate you putting on brian robinson there because uh, i remember when we did the summa cum laude draft i drafted brian robinson and you tore me a new one you're like no way he's gonna be able to keep that up and be the lead back at bama well he proved a lot of people wrong and myself included though because i i i re if, if i had known he would be the lead back by the end of the year i would have drafted him in the first like two rounds like easily of course. um but i was waiting until you know, like round eight nine to get him one more thing that you showed me, actually, that uh, I'm incorporating and began to incorporate in my home league at the end of the year are replacement players for yes, DNPs. Uh, it's the best development fantasy-wise that I saw in 2021 was listing your quarterback, your running back, and your flex of choice if no one DNPs mm -hmm. uh, or if a certain player or any of that position does not play. Uh, I will be using that moving forward. Um, you had a very cool thing with the Google Sheet. I will share with you, though, I prefer to put it on the message board. Okay. So then there's full transparency. Where, I think that's fair. Uh, if I see somebody, you know, that I'm facing doesn't play, I kind of have to wait until the commish drops in their guy. And sometimes I don't know. It actually happened in the, the league that you commissioned that I was in. It happened. And okay. I was like, well, I know that the guy got a zero. So do I 
first, I didn't know if he sent you the list. Mm -hmm. And then second, I didn't know who he picked. So it was about, I don't know, it was about four o'clock Eastern time, two o'clock my time in Mountain. And then the guy went in. So then I was down 16 and Mm. I was like, okay, so, uh, all right. So at least it didn't hurt me bad. I was, I was still in it and ended up winning, but that, uh, it's a very good idea. So mm-hmm. again, just to slowly say it, cause I know I speak fast when you have a bench quarterback, uh, you can list JT Daniels. If either of my starting quarterbacks does not play, then put him in with COVID and the lack of news from college football. I just think it's smart. It makes mm-hmm. the league better. That's just a really good rule. And to me, it's better than like the alternative and not not like um, I love Nate Marquise to death here and everything. But his alternative was uh, just make it best ball. And like I best ball with waivers and with um, best ball with waivers and uh, trades and stuff like that. It's not the same. And I, I, I get where he's coming from. But to me, part of fantasy, especially in a year long fantasy league, is the agency you can have with your lineup. It's knowing that when you put in a player that is your choice and you were the one that made that decision it wasn't very luck based at all there's still some skill involved there and i appreciate your feedback on the making sure that if you're a commissioner in a league and you're doing this like i use the google sheet because that makes it organized it just puts it into an excel spreadsheet very easy for me to go back to and look at it the and i agree with you though that if you're a commissioner you then need to put that out at the at a time before the game starts saying alrighty here's the people who have put in their list here's who's going to be able to get replaced if you didn't already you you're out of luck um yeah. and that and that incentivizes people more to make sure they get their list in um so i appreciate you bringing that up uh, mitch because again i highly recommend that for almost any league because to me it takes out one of the least fun parts of college fantasy football and that's the fact that we just never get any news, especially from group of five schools. And heck, power five schools never really give you good news on that front. So Yeah. What, what I used to do was I would sub in the lowest score from your bench that played into that position. But then I had a real clever uh, owner during the playoffs. <laughs> he dropped almost all of his bench. So the only so it was just like he took out the idea of who to start yeah. by only having one bench quarterback, two bench running backs, and a and a bench wide receiver. So he was just like, <laughs> so, yeah. but I tell you, hey, it's working the system. But I really uh, I enjoyed that. I and your Google sheet is smart. We just need to share it. Yeah, just share it with others, and then you can see, and then you'll know. Uh, because again, for me, it's not about transparency of cheating. Mm-hmm. It's about, do I need to go out to eat because I don't have a chance to win? Or do I have a chance to win? I'm going to agonize through if, you know, uh, Jameson is going to go for 130 yards and two touchdowns. So yeah, absolutely. anyway, great, great. Uh, so great, just a beautiful thing that happened in 2021 is that I learned that and I'm always learning. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Absolutely. And so I'll go ahead and move on to the second like kind of intro question here. Uh, we talked about kind of recap 2021. What did you learn? But what are you looking for in uh, 2022? Like what's something uh, maybe uh, changes you want to see in leagues? Maybe it's a players that you're looking forward to. What are you looking forward to, Mitch? Chaos. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to the chaos. Um, NIL is all up in our grill. Uh, college football will not be the same until 
something, and I don't know what it is, but something changes. Uh, when you give kids with academic standing the right to change schools one time for free, mm-hmm. what you essentially have is a do-over. You have a do-over with hundreds and hundreds of fantasy relevant uh, guys. But honestly, even from the O-line to the D-line, although you are most folks like you and certainly everybody like me does not focus on those men changing teams, it does matter. Uh, Next year is going to be, it's going to be amazingly weird. That when coupled with, and I, I haven't put together numbers for this dynasty NFL league that I consult with, but I think more people that were eligible for the draft uh, actually went to this year's draft. It is an extremely deep, watered-down draft. But what that does is it makes a lot of schools that are near fantasy relevant with guys that would have returned an open season. Yep. From uh, schools like West Virginia and Kansas State. And when you start looking at those just under middle-tier programs, when they have Letty Brown, you can pick them. When Mm -hmm. they don't have Letty Brown, those guys go undrafted. And when that happens, that first week of waiver claims or bids is going to be madness. So I I can't wait. I can't wait for the madness. It's going to be super cool. I mean, I agree with you 100%. And like talking to Debbie guys, talking to C2C guys, one of the things they're most excited about with this is used to be if a guy went to the went to their school and you didn't see them in their freshman or sophomore year they're they're basically kaput like you like you you didn't want anything to do with them but now you got guys who if they aren't like super successful in their first couple of years maybe they transfer to a new destination maybe it was the coaching staff at the old school just wasn't giving them a chance and they could maybe thrive they love the idea of the transfer portal being able to resurrect these careers, these fantasy careers for a lot of prospects that they're looking to go into the NFL in the future. I know uh, Campus Academy guys are especially excited about it because it not only revives them on maybe the NFL side, but also the college side as well. I mean, we love that as well because you're like, yeah, we'll talk about guys here uh, upcoming here where some of these guys might be revitalizing their career where they just had a bad couple of years and now maybe they go to a new school. Maybe things work out better for them there. We will definitely see um in terms of like 2022 and everything man i'm just i'm you're you're talking about chaos like i could already tell though like talking to other fantasy or uh cff analysts and everything their consensus is all the way across the board with so many different prospects so i was gonna mention this during some of our stuff that the college fantasy football twitter verse often becomes an echo chamber And I haven't seen that reverberating off of early list yet. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm curious to see once you guys, but hopefully I'll be a part of a few of those drafts, if we begin to align. But this, again, is going to go with the chaos. Oh, yeah. I I think getting out your feel still book is going to be more important than ever to see this guy has talent. This is a four-star guy that I've never heard of. This yes, is a, you know, a 4.3 star guy that I've never heard of. And we'll speak of this in a minute, but there's a guy that uh, at the tail end of my prep here that I, I want to go over and show people that this is what you should look for. So, yeah, I, yes, I don't think it's going to be as an echo chamber next year as it was. And honestly, the largest echo chamber was actually two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
almost everybody because of COVID, almost everybody got in line and draft lists were very uh, solid and routine. It uh, digressed a little bit last year, but next year it's going to be crazy. I'm looking forward to uh, stealing your rankings and importing those into mine. Yeah, I mean, uh, just an example, uh, uh, we were discussing uh, Muhammad Ibrahim. Uh, the other day where I think uh, CK was talking about how like he's like I, I think I have him on top 15 I'm like I think I have him in my like back end of my top 12 so like between like 7 and 12 I can't remember where I have him exactly off the top of my head and Nate Marquise came in and he was like I don't even have him in my top 25 like he's outside yeah. my top 25 and I'm like perfect this is going to be fun this is going to be great so much debate is going to be had over this next time of year and like a lot of these, a lot of it like you said comes from the fact that so many guys are going off to the NFL this year like a yeah. lot of guys that we've been used to are just gone. So what one other thing that makes it all interesting is the school of thought that if you don't boom early, by mm-hmm. the time you're 20, you're washed up. Yep. And you you brought up your Shipley man. Um, there are gonna be those that say, Well, Shipley hadn't had a thousand yards yet. Mm-hmm. Been hearing about the guy for years. If he hasn't been good in his first two years, he must be trash when that isn't always the case Mm -hmm. so it's gonna be a really intriguing year for list i'm looking forward to the list i'm looking forward to it as well and like i said so many prospects to discuss this year and we'll just go ahead and move on to some of these guys who are in the transfer portal and like i said transfer portal as we've seen already this year is just changing the college landscape constantly now and People who we thought were solidified starters for next year because of coaching changes, because of guys shifting around the country, are now really just almost in no man's land. And there's nobody better to exemplify that than Mr. Jackson Dart, former quarterback of USC. Uh, Threw for 1,353 yards last year, nine touchdowns, five interceptions. Uh, Ran for 43 yards and two touchdowns, so not like a huge dual threat guy, obviously. Really? More, more because of his previous injury, though. Okay, I do fair. expect him to run more this year, but keep going. Yes, I mean, fair enough. Um, but again, this really comes from, and again, this isn't official, so we'll talk about this more down the line when it becomes official, but let's be real. This is a huge indicator that Caleb Williams will be transferring from Oklahoma to USC and is now forcing Jackson Dart out of a job. And even if this isn't like Caleb Williams coming to USC, to me, it might have come about from just jet dart hearing guys like riley uh the ad at usc talking about like oh we need to go get caleb we need to go get caleb maybe trust was lost here and he's just like regardless if you get caleb or not i'm clearly not your guy so i'm gonna move on to a program that is gonna treat me like the guy um just a fascinating fascinating saga to follow here uh rumor destination you know, though, if he goes to old miss i won't i won't mind it oh no that's what i was about to, that's what i was about to bring up rumor destinations the top three apparently are old miss oklahoma west virginia west virginia sounds like a weird one but his old offensive coordinator and harrell is headed over to west uh west virginia so basically like you said mitch as far as ranking for fantasy for me uh Ole Miss the top choice for me god I love to see Jackson Dart in that Ole Miss we've been waiting for somebody to take the reins over at Ole Miss because let's be real Luke Altmaier didn't look like the answer for Ole Miss Uh, John Rice Plumley, he's gone uh some of the other guys we were considering like Dylan Gabriel Cameron Ward they found other destinations that they're going to we'll discuss Cameron Ward here in a second um but god Jackson Dart in a Lane Kiffin offense I think would be a ton of fun to watch uh, Oklahoma, I would, I like 
dart in the Oklahoma offense. The problem is Dylan Gabriel just already being there and already having a better repertoire with the offensive staff there. I just think it would be very unfortunate for us as fantasy analysts going forward. I don't, I don't forward. see it. I, I, that's not where he's going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other two are much more likely, and I'm going to be a little more bullish on that West Virginia mm, uh, selection. They will have zero running game. So uh, that means he's going to throw often. And Will Greer, who is was not a good quarterback, he was a dang fine fantasy quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I'll take Dart in West Virginia all day long. I think you get a, a bump in system. You get a downgrade uh, in the plotting running back with Letty Brown. So now I'll take it. Uh, obviously Ole Miss would make him, uh, I mean, I don't have my list in front of me, but, uh, QB two for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top end of a QB two, he'd be a really, really good quarterback too. So no, nah, I like it. So, and, and, okay, and, and, to be, and to be clear, and, to, pe- and I know, to, be clear to people, uh, quarter, quarter, when he says QB two, you're talking about top 24, uh, QB there, not like QB two yes. overall. No, yes, QB2 means someone ranked from 13 to 24. Yep. Yes. Now, just one thing, and I, I don't want to keep hammering on the obvious. When every, every kid can choose where he wants to go and every coach knows it, then the value of the kid you have in front of you is diminished. Mm-hmm. And that's sad. It's sad for a bunch of reasons. It's sad because it makes it more like pro football. It's sad because we want that jersey to mean more of the name that's on the front of it than the name that's on the back. Mm-hmm. And NIL will ruin that. Yeah, I, I have, I, again, like not to get too off topic here, but I have to imagine that there will be some kind of changes coming in the near future for NIL because, and again, uh, I quote Josh Pate on this show quite a bit, but you know he's just great at metaphors, and I think he does. I think he nailed this one where he said that the NCAA in regards to NIL was like the uh, irresponsible uncle. They came in, um, they came in, got his nieces and nephews, hyped them up on a bunch of sugar, gave them back to the parents, and said, "Here you go, deal with it." That's what they did with NIL. They just kind of came in and said, "All right, we're doing NIL now," and then didn't do any, didn't set any kind of boundaries, didn't set anything, and that's why schools like A and M were just like. All right, sure. We'll we'll blatantly like bid for players and recruiting. We'll blatantly um, do stuff like that. Rumor, like some- rumor rumor has it that Texas A&M spent $500,000 a year per recruit in this class. Yeah. It will not go away. Uh, there are schools like the University of Texas and Texas A&M that actually do have more money. Yeah. And it does matter. Also, those schools have been graduating 40,000, you know, people uh, for years and years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And that base is huge and hungry. I I debated briefly on uh, Twitter. uh, A Georgia guy said they have the best fan base. That is not the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, Georgia don't have the best fan base because you guys are real good fans on a real good team. Think about having real good fans on a team that's never good. Mm -hmm. That's Texas A&M. Texas A&M's an eight-win team. You're in, you're out, yet have the money to be the number one class. But anyway, let's go. Let's talk some more players. Yes, sir. Let's move on to another quarterback. Basically, how we're taking this today, we're going to hit all the quarterbacks. We're going to hit all the running backs. We're going to hit all the wide receivers. And then Mitch has a group of guys that he wants to talk about that all fall under one umbrella. We'll get to those in a bit here. But first, let's move on to our second quarterback here. And we're going to talk about Mr. Cameron Ward. Kind of touched on him a little bit ago. 
transferring from the FCS, Incarnate Word, over to Washington State last year in the FCS, threw 590 times for 4,648 yards, 47 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, ran 77 times, 61 yards and a touchdown, reuniting with his former offensive coordinator, who is now the offensive coordinator at uh, Wazoo. Mitch, you look super excited to talk about him, so I'm going to let you kind of do your spiel on him first. We just did this last year. This is Bailey Zapp and all of his people going, except uh, Incarnate Word isn't sending his wide receivers up there. Uh, He'll have better ones than he had when he was in Incarnate Word. It's going to be the same system. He knows the system. They're going to throw every time. What's not to like? Look, I wish he was a little more um, athletic or at least ran the ball a little more. He Mm -hmm. wasn't asked to do it in in incarnate words, so I don't expect it now. Like, why they're not going to change the system, which is fine. Uh, I expect this to be what it used to be at Washington State. Only worry the weather difference in incarnate word and in Pullman, Washington is as stark as can be. It doesn't rain in North Texas. And it rains, it seems like, every day in Pullman. So I'm a little worried about ball security. But other than that, I think he's going to be saddled up again. Great uh, QB2 towards the bottom of a QB2 with the uh, with the potential to be a top-tier quarterback. Yeah, so uh, that was going to be my point here. And, and, and you're talking about reservations. The only other reservation I have here is it doesn't seem like any of his incarnate word, like wide receivers in them, are also following him to Wazoo, like which helped make that perfect storm that Western Kentucky was last year. Um, but granted, we saw a guy like Mitchell Tinsley pick up the system as the year went on, and he absolutely exploded by the end of the year. So can't have too much worries there. But I agree with you 100% on Cameron Board, where you can have reservations on this guy, but you cannot let him fall too far in drafts because no. the ceiling for a matchup between him and his offensive coordinator and working at Wazoo in a Pac-12 conference where, let's be real, they don't play the best of defenses. Like, the ceiling's too high. You cannot let him fall too far. And I agree with you, Mitch. Right there in that QB2 range is going to be perfect for Cameron Ward going into this year. Jaden Delora, uh, in the leagues that I saw and, and participated in mock drafts, he was a very stylish bench quarterback. Mm-hmm. So like that QB three, someone in the, the 11th type of round, uh, no way I allow this kid to be a QB three. No way. Nope. I'll continually pick him up as my second QB around round seven or so. If that's how it flushes out. I'm or, down. Or heck, if, if, if you want to wait on, if you want to wait on QB a little bit and maybe you pick him up as your first one, try to pick up a safer yeah. QB uh, behind him. I think I don't, I don't, I wouldn't blame you there at all as well. Again, we'll get into yep. draft strategies and everything. Once we actually have some drafts uh, come out and everything, we can see where everybody's falling. But I think Mitch and I both agree the ceiling is just so high on this matchup that you got to keep your eye out for this guy. And he, take advantage of this because there's going to be a lot of people who don't pay attention to the transfer portal. And they're going to be like, oh, just some kid from Incarnate Word going to Washington State. Like, who cares about that? Keep an eye on this man. We'll move on. Also, to our, oh. many, many people sort stats from last year's league and he won't be in there. Mm-hmm. And and that's scary too because it's a guy through five thousand yards. I agree. So move on to our third and final quarterback here in our list of main ten. Here uh, we just mentioned him, and really he's the byproduct of Cameron Word going to Washington State. Jaden Delora, former starting quarterback for Washington State, has entered the transfer portal and is going to Arizona. 
Man, this is just so interesting development that has occurred at Arizona in that they just suddenly have started acquiring offensive talent. Uh, Jacob Cowling, wide receiver at UTEP. A lot of people were very excited to see him go up to the Power Five. A lot of people, and he got offers from everywhere. And a lot of people very disappointed when he uh, chose Arizona. But put this into the context: Arizona suddenly has a top twenty-five recruiting class for this year, including Mister uh, Titor. Oh my God, I cannot pronounce it. McMillan, uh, a four-star, borderline five-star wide receiver in this class, going to Arizona as well. And now he's got a QB to distribute the ball there. I am very interested to see how this goes. Oh, and by the way, I, I should have mentioned this. Uh, Delora threw 359 times with 2,798 yards last year, 23 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Uh, just to give you an idea of where he was in the Washington system. Um, Mitch, do you think he hits a higher ceiling than that in yes. this new in this new system? Yeah, one of the reasons uh, I believe, again, weather is a factor in Washington State always is. Uh, so he gets to go to somewhere that it doesn't rain. He is mobile, but he uh, had to use that mobility in Washington State to run for his life. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, the bad offensive line at Arizona will be just ho-hum, you know, sack of potatoes for him. I think he's used to it. Mm -hmm. uh, two good weapons, very good bench quarterback. Not a difficult schedule. You won't have to pay for him. Uh, mm -hmm. His It's not like anyone is looking at or many people are looking at Arizona as a fantasy factory. So, yeah, I think he slides. And I think he's a guy that you can just steal and hope that it gels that first month. Yeah, I'm trying to look up real quick uh, where he, he finishes the QP 44 last year at Washington State. So he's probably now that he's moving down to Arizona, he might go undrafted in uh several drafts or at least definitely be a bench quarterback and i think that's very good value for him to where again there's a lot of ceiling here in this new offensive system that is acquiring talent now if they can get a running back especially like a receiving running back out of the portal <clears throat> travis die um i would love 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 to see what they might be able to put together next year and the ceiling that was created for this system so i like this a lot i'm with you Alrighty, um, I don't have this as an, as an official one, but uh, I do want to just make sure I would point out here. Um, Jared Deggy, quarterback out of West Virginia, has transferred to Western Kentucky. I do feel like I, I had him as an honorable mention, but I feel like before we moved on from the quarterbacks, we should talk about this because a lot of people were waiting on, waiting on a transfer QB to go to Western Kentucky. And by the way, people, Western Kentucky still going to have a lot of the same things that made them successful this year. I know Kitley's at Texas Tech, but uh, Arbuckle, who was the offensive um, quality analyst for Kitley at both Houston Baptist and Western Kentucky, is now the offensive coordinator. He's going to be running the same system. You have to believe that. So we all were wondering, who's going to be the quarterback there that's going to go and benefit from that? And then Jared Dougie is that guy. <laughs> Man, a lot of people are, I, 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 at least for me, I'm disappointed with that. Mitch, what do you think? Does this hamper any expectations we should have from Western Kentucky, even though they're probably going to run the same system? Okay, so first, I do expect the system to be very similar. While it might not be 100% of what it uh, was, I do think it'll come in around the 85%, which mm -hmm. I'm fine with, with the discount that you get. That's one. Two, Jared Dagey is, is someone that I, I 
I'm going to flip the, the opposite of what uh, we'll go over here in a little bit and what we spoke about pre-podcast. Uh, when you're good, you're good. And when you're not, you're not. Mm-hmm. And I fear that he is not good. He is not. Uh, so if you go to a very fantasy-friendly system and you're not good, what I expect is not goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I expect you to not be good because you're just not good. So uh, I have a few of those freshmen that um, they had on the staff last year. And sometimes transfers go to a place and don't start. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he doesn't start. Uh, I'm not sweating him with the freshmen that I do have from the team last year. So we'll just see. Uh, obviously, he is more experienced. But sometimes you're just a more experienced subpar player. So we'll see. Uh, if he is the starter, again, very good bench quarterback. But to me, he they fall from QB. Uh, there's no QB one. No, mm-hmm. no Western Kentucky guy is going to get drafted in the first 12. However, if one of the freshmen who uh, had a cup of coffee last year actually had a big spring – and moved into the fantasy season as the solid starter, I'm pretty sure our list would align that would have him in the 20s. It's not going to be that way with Deggy. He's just not good. So I actually have talked to uh, somebody who works for the Western Kentucky Rivals Board, and I, I asked her, I said, well, or, it, for those wondering, it's, it's Hannah Page. Um, she's wonderful. Um, you should definitely go follow her. Um, but I asked her, I was like, all right, so what's, what's going on here with Western Kentucky? Like, um, and she says, and I, I hope this is one of the freshmen that you got, uh, but Darius Owens, or uh, Owens, Ocean, is who she expects to be the guy next year. Cool. But when I sent her the information about Jared Dougie, um, her response, and I quote was, huh. Um, so That's awesome. Take, so, take that for what, so take that for what you will. But even still, I personally, I'm with you, Mitch. Jared Dougie's not good. So I would rather put stock into Darius Ocean or if I, any other freshman QB that you want to like put your stock into for Western Kentucky if it is indeed him going forward. Anyway, we'll move on from the quarterbacks. Let's go talk about some of these running backs. And let's talk about a guy that I messed up the graphic for. Uh, his name's not Penn State. His name is Noah Kane. Uh, he was a running back at Penn State. Uh, sorry about that. Anyway, regardless of that, I was so high on Noah Kane, even as a recruit. I was watching the pipeline that was being cranked out with Saquon Barkley, um, cranking it out with um, Miles Sanders afterwards, and I was like, all righty, Noah Kane, four-star freshman, Georgia wanted him bad. Um, I saw him go to Penn State. I'm like, all right, I'm going to follow this guy. He's going to be a great running back there at Penn State. And he started off so well. Freshman year, 84 carries, 443 yards, eight touchdowns. He and Journey Brown, to me, were set to be that next duo of tandem um, of running backs at Penn State, and I was so, so excited. Then, Journey Brown gets injured. Um, he's just out of football. Uh, God bless him. Noah Kane gets injured pretty much, like, what, a week or two later? Like, it was just an absolute terrible time for Penn State, and he just hasn't recovered. That that uh, Nobody's been able to take over that Penn State running back room. Uh, this past year, he ran 20 more times than he did his freshman year. He ran for over 100 carries. Um, but he ran for almost 100 yards less um, and ran half the touchdowns. He just hasn't recovered. Mitch, is this going to be one of the guys that could find himself with a fresh start, especially with, at LSU where uh, Tyrion Davis-Price out, John Emery Jr. is just AWOL, and Kiner was a all-right freshman? 
So, okay, I do expect Kane to be a part of a running back by committee. Um, very Brian Kelly to do that, uh, especially the past few years. Uh, he has uh, kind of shied away from one guy running and receiving. I expect Noah Kane to be a part of a running back by committee and just not yield a ton of fantasy relevance. But, yeah, is he going to play? Will he have – you know, 700 yards, seven touchdown type of guy. Yeah. It will he be a good uh, waiver guy when you have an off week. Sure. Talents there. He'll succeed. His role is not going to be big enough for us to care much. No, I, I, I think that's perfectly reasonable. And like, if you're really a big believer in him, he's more than likely going to be available in those later rounds. So you can pick him up as a flyer, drop him after a week or two when, when, uh, Mitch's prediction inevitably, inevitably comes true and he's getting maybe 12 carries a game. Yep. So, I think that's perfectly reasonable. We'll go to another guy who really had the uh, college uh, fantasy football Twitterverse just ablaze when they saw this, but Zazavian Valade, running back formerly of Wyoming, now going over to Arizona State. Now, what's the context here? Well, obviously, he was part of the big Wyoming exodus. He had a ton of their top players uh, leave both of their quarterbacks left. Zavian Valade left. Uh, Isaiah Nayor, uh, he's gone. All of them gone. But he's going to look for greener pastures elsewhere, and he's going to Arizona State, who just lost Rashad White to the NFL, who I think he's going to be a very underrated NFL back uh, going forward, especially with this receiving ability. And then Demonte Trayonum has gone to Ohio State to play linebacker. So you got Daniel Ngata, who really is kind of their main guy going forward, or like supposedly he's going to be their main guy going forward. This past year, he was the third, uh, fourth rusher on the team, third uh, running back on the team, 56 carries, 309 yards, four touchdowns. Um, so like not a super solidified role, I'd say. Do we expect, Mitch, that Zazavian Valade could be the guy to take over here? What do you think? Sure he could be. Uh, he's a workhorse type back, but lost his job to a lesser rated younger running back with uh, Titus Wynn last year. So I'm not, uh, I'm definitely not going to put him in a position where I think he's going to rush for a thousand yards and double digit touchdowns. I think it'll be another running back by committee. Although I do think he'll get more carries because of the system. I think uh, he's a guy on your bench and that's about all he's going to be. I was very disappointed invalidate because I thought he was alpha and when the when a younger guy at a smaller school takes your job and you go to a larger school I'm holding up big red flags uh mm -hmm. validate will be a bench running back for someone else not for the ace holes yeah so you you are not expecting him to reach what Rashad White was able to reach last year where no Rashad way. White was a was an RB11 <laughs> And now, granted, Rashad White had an incredible receiving ability that I don't think is a Xavier Valade is even close to. So I agree with you. Like, it don't don't expect Rashad White numbers out of this. Um, don't expect no. like like or like expect more Demonte Trayonum, uh second back numbers, maybe a little bit better than that. Uh, I wouldn't expect uh, Valade to be that next great Arizona State running back. I'm, if I'm a Valade owner, I hope. He's the starter. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm hoping. It is going to be a running back by committee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, to me, like you're right. Like it, there's obviously concerns about them rotating running backs because they did that last year with White, 
uh, Trianum and no, they do it. On, they've done it since uh, Herm's been there. Yeah, the the first year Herm was there, um, was it Balage that he rode? Balage had one. Kalen Balage, I think, had one yes. year under him where he got all the looks. And it hasn't been that way since. Mm-hmm. He's a running back by committee guy. This is running back by committee at screams at. Yeah, it's just and they run really, the ball the a ton, so it doesn't seem like it Rashad sometimes. Rashad White, the only reason he really dominated is touches, is how well he caught the ball. Mm-hmm. And it it's not surprising that Tranium is going to the other side of the ball. Maybe he just didn't have that skill. So one running back got all of those touches where in the in the past two years it had been uh, – split so now nah, i'm just uh i am not for smaller faces in bigger places i'm for bigger faces and smaller places Keep and we going. will definitely get to that here in a little <laughs> bit i appreciate you teasing that mr mr hart but again we got a couple more guys to get through here we got about five more five more main guys to get through here and we'll go with mr running back out of oregon travis die i loved travis die going into last year everybody was on verdell and to start the year they were correct yeah he was like uh he looked like the main back there i was kind of disappointed because i always thought that travis die if he was ever given that ability to have like the number one or the most touches on the team per game he was going to absolutely dominate and we finally got to see it last year of course god bless cj verdell he was injured i believe he tore his acl i hope he recovers well and everything but man i finally was felt so vindicated when Travis Dye got those RB1 touches. And the last year, 211 carries, 1,271 yards, 16 touchdowns, 46 receptions for 402 yards and two touchdowns. Dude was an absolute dual threat running back through the air and on the ground. Loved what I saw out of him, but now he's gone. He's leaving. <laughs> and I'm like, no. So that tells me more than likely that CJ Verdell is probably going to come back. I have to imagine Die wouldn't be scared of Caldwell behind him or any other freshman. Um, or it could just oh, be I a breakdown see, in the I coaching don't, I don't staff. See this tra- yeah, I was going to say, no, 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 no. Travis Dye is not running uh, because of something. He's running to something. Look, uh, Bo Nix is there now at the quarterback. Uh, I'm sure any coach that chooses Bo Nix as his guy probably scares Travis Dye a lot. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't I mean, is for, it really much worse than Anthony Brown? No, it's the same. And mm-hmm. that's bad. Anthony Brown was not good. I, I spoke uh, earlier in the year about Ty Thompson and thought that this would be the Ty Thompson year. And then they bring in Bo Nick. So I, I would hope that Ty actually leaves and goes somewhere. No, I, I argued a lot on a few of our message boards with, Oregon people that state they're Oregon people. Mm-hmm. And when Verdell went down, they said I wouldn't get more touches. And I just disagree. Mm-hmm. I like his skill set. He's more of a today running back than a uh, 2002 running back, which is more of the version of, of a guy I like. But the guy is very fantasy relevant. He can run between the tackles. He can get it outside and he can catch. Uh, I would absolutely love to see him in a system that dumps it to the running back often. I think he'd be great at it. I hope this becomes a big face in a small place. I would love for to see him downsize in conference and go to a nice situation where he's going to be the best running back. And if so, I think 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns in the right system is doable. 
No, I think you're right. And again, I kind of I kind of mentioned it earlier. More, it was a, kind of a on the fly moment, but I, I was like, man, I would love to see him at Arizona because again, they're putting all those offensive weapons together, and just like you have a guy like Jaden Delora that just loves dumping uh, dumping off to his running backs in that in uh, the system at Washington State. I'm just like, man, loved would love to see him there because he would be able this, to do work there. This is more what I'm thinking. What about like Utah State, somewhere like that? where you have a good system, but moving pieces, Devin Tompkins leaves, so it opens up a lot of touches, a lot of quick hitters, throw him out there in the slot, get him extra stuff in a PPR league. Dude, that, that would, I, that's what I'm hoping, a system change where we're like, well, hey, you know, that's a good fit in a smaller stage. Another that's what thought I just had, um, what if he went to Washington? You got the okay. board there at Fresno State. Like, think about how they used uh, guys like Jordan Mintz. Think about how they used guys like Ronnie Rivers. Yeah. Like, God, I would it's love perfect. that. No, that's absolutely, that would be awesome. Now, that is more of going to even a larger stage. I, mm-hmm. I know UW's been down, but no, that's a that's a great one, too. He certainly fits that Fresno State uh, offense from last the last few years. I dig that. Oh, that yeah. would be another really good place. I say Travis Dye lands somewhere is the starter and make someone a dang happy guy that got him as their RB2. I would I would love it as well. Again, obviously as any of these transfers are, location matters, where they land matters. Um but system system matters, but Die is the kind of guy that even if he lands at a spot where I'm not super excited about, if he's at a discount, I might pick him up just to see what happens. Um cool. so we'll go ahead and move on from a running back, so start talking about some of these wide receivers. Obviously, the big one, Mario Williams, transferring from Oklahoma to USC. Another kind of indicator that Caleb Williams is probably going to USC because Mario Williams was very explicit about the fact that he wanted to follow his QB. Well, he's he's actually the first one there at USC. Um, but even so, last year as a freshman, had thirty-seven or thirty-five catches for three hundred eighty yards and four touchdowns in Lincoln Riley's system, which I think is impressive if you're a freshman wide receiver to get onto the field for Lincoln Riley at any point. Um, but I'm kind of bummed out with this because, man, when the rumors started flying around that he might go to Miami, ooh, man, I like that a lot with Tyler Van Dyke, with Charleston Rambo going out. I was like, ooh, this that could be a perfect fit there. But now he's going to USC where I'm just so concerned about how crowded this room is going to be. You got Bryant, Gary Bryant Jr. who really took over after Drake London went down with injury last year. Taj Washington really has been their kind of deep threat guy uh, when they needed him to be. So that... That role is already kind of filled, in my opinion. Um, and then you got Kyle Ford, who's also just another good receiver out there. Where's where's the room to be excited about Mario Williams as a potential uh, fourth guy in this in this system? If indeed they roll with the guys who's had more experience at the school, what do you think, Mitch? So I like Gary Bryant Jr. more as a player, uh, so that worries me. Mario Williams had flashes. I know he's young. Mm-hmm. Um, when again, young people move, uh, you just you you never really know how it's going to work out. Caleb Williams being the guy does help him out. I think That's he'll true. be overdrafted. Uh, I will take the second USC wide receiver off the board, not the first. So so you so if Gary Bryant is there, you won't take him, even even though you like him better. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not going to draft any of these guys first. I'll let someone else do it because when just like this year with Oklahoma, 
I wasn't going to draft this year's Oklahoma wide receiver first either and didn't. I made pretty decent money uh, on Mario Williams, getting him very late when everyone went Hazelwood and Theo Weiss and and things like that. This is a giant wide receiver by committee, and you don't win by taking that guy first. So, yeah, I mean, is he going to be good? Sure, he was good at Oklahoma and made some, uh, had some good moments. Is he going to progress? Of course he is. Until there is a 90-catch role carved out for him, and I don't see that this initial year, I'll pass. No, I think that's fair. And, and this, like you said, Oklahoma last year, Ohio State was the one that came to my mind immediately where, like, I never took the first Ohio State wide receiver off the board. Uh, whether it was Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, I always took the second one because I was like, those guys equally have a chance of being the guy at Ohio State. And really, we were all right at the end because we didn't realize how much Ohio State was going to throw it this year. I mean, hell. And none of us picked in Jigba first. Well, exactly. None of us. No, none of us. And all three of those guys ended up in the top 25 wide receivers by the end of the year, just to tell you just how crazy that system was for wide receivers that year. Um but yeah, I'm and with you. And not was, and not was, is. Is, and they're going to be. They're gonna... We'll, we'll get to that during draft conversations, but that's a, uh, the system's beautiful right oh, now for wide receivers. I'm, I'm telling you guys right now, I think there's an argument for JSN to be the 101 in fantasy next year, especially in PPR leagues. I think there's oh, an definitely. absolute argument. Like, and I don't say that about wide receivers very often. I usually stay away from wide receivers in the first round sometimes. JSN could easily be the 101 next year, I think. When, uh, when they interviewed all three of those men and were asked who's the best, and the two guys that are about to be millionaires pointed to the young kid, mm-hmm. uh, it ain't close. I agree. That they, it, it's gonna... not close. This is like when you first saw Julio Jones. This mm-hmm. is when when you first saw you know A.J. Brown and Metcalf go into the field where you point and say, who, who is that kid? Mm-hmm. That's how good he is. But I, anyway, I and, and Mario Williams ain't that guy. No, fair enough. I, I think one hundred percent. I'll ask you real quick, Mitch. Uh, just, uh, just one word answer because uh, I talk about this with CDC guys quite a bit, and they're like they're big on Butte and JSN. Like those are the top tier guys. But it's a debate yes. over who's number one. Who would who who would you rather have in like a Devi or a C2C league, Butte or JSN? JSN. Okay, he's better. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, he's a harder worker on the field. Hmm. Uh, the way he runs routes. It's it's amazing. Butte's specimen. He's good. Oh yeah. But I mean, he's going to be very good. I would say, but it's, it's we're we're arguing between each of our different grandmothers' Thanksgivings here. Like they're, they're both yeah. going to be great. Um, yep. All right, we'll go ahead and move on. This is more of a personal guy, but I really want to bring him up here because again, I was big on Kyron Lacy uh, at Louisiana going into this year. Um, he was a guy that kind of stuck out to me, broke out uh, as the leading receiver for Louisiana in the, his freshman year. And I was really, really hoping that he might have a better year. This year just didn't happen. Just not a system built to sustain a fantasy relevant wide receiver. I took him a lot in like late in a lot of different round, or a lot of different drafts. It was like, all right, if he takes the next step forward, I'd love to see what he can do. But now here he is moving up to a bigger stage. He was a big fish at a small pond, as Mitch has kind of been pointing out here. How does he do at LSU? Obvious concern here is that he's going to be buried on the depth chart because they got a lot of different wide receivers there at LSU already. Mitch, what do you think about this? So, okay, depends on how um, he fits in initially. And what I mean by that is, like, again, going back to Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly's short passing game Mm -hmm. is to tight ends and to running backs. 
Uh, if they are expecting Kyron Lacey to catch a bunch of uh, bubble screens and tunnel screens, I don't think it's he's going to be fantasy relevant. However, man, I watched Will Fuller and Chase Claypool make a fantasy living out of running straight down the field as fast as they can mm-hmm. and taking the top off. That The top off guy at Notre Dame has been good when they've had a quarterback to deliver it. Now, saying all that, I'm not sure if LSU is going to have a quarterback to deliver it. But if they do uh, and they run Lacey deep, he's got the speed to do it. So this will be a big spring ball. Um, What happens in spring ball? How are they using the reports out of camp are going to be good. Mm -hmm. If you're hearing a lot of bubble screen talk and, you know, he's going to be a six catch uh, guy, he's not. But if you're if they're saying that he keeps taking the top off the defense, uh, pay notice. I think I think that's very fair. And again, I think the other thing to point out here is that this dude just has the size for a great wide receiver at that level. Six foot three, 212 pounds. Obviously, I think that's going to hurt your kind of speed hopes there that he's probably going to be a guy that could take up, take the top but, off the of defense. Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool did it too. True. It's all in how those plays are developed. It, uh, I mean, because Will Fuller and Chase Claypool are very different uh, mm-hmm. wide receivers. Yes. But almost all of them caught their touchdowns down, down the right-hand side of the field. True. So, like, I watch Notre Dame. I watch every game, every snap. It, they're so predictable. That guy out there to the right, that's who's going to get the ball really far. Mm-hmm. If that's Kyron Lacey, do it. I just have a feeling that's going to be Butte. Nope, I, I think that's absolutely fair. And yeah, I wouldn't expect Lacey to be the number one over Butte, unless Butte gets injured again, which God help him if he did, if that happens again. Um, do you believe he was really injured? So I think I, I do not. I think he was injured initially. I think it, there's quite a few things going on with a lot of different LSU players that were just saying like, "Hey, season's a wash. Let's just kind of let's just kind of milk this hurt. a little bit." I think he got hurt. I don't think he got injured, and that's why I'm high on Butte. I don't think he's overcoming injury. Mm. I think he. I think it. His people said, "Dude, you're playing on a bad team. Why get the ball 13 times and get hit all that?" Anyway, no, fair enough. We'll we'll go ahead with another uh, group of five wide receiver that's caught my eye. I'm I'm very interested in Mr. Trey Shropshire out of UAB. UAB is a run first team, obviously, but this has been the man, Misha, you're talking about where he is a guy that can take the top off of defenses. 27 catches this past year, 703 yards, 26 yards per catch. This man was doing seven touchdowns. I love the idea of him moving on to a Power 5 team and just being that deep threat for them over and over and over again. Obviously, landing spot, once again, going to be a huge thing here because if he thinks, oh, I'll stay in state, I'll go to Alabama. Well, I don't, I don't think that he's going to be that guy. I don't, think he's that, I don't think he's got the talent to start at Alabama. But if he went to Auburn, I would love to see that. If uh, maybe he went a little west and maybe he... Honestly, I thought about now, Ole Miss earlier. I was like, maybe maybe if he goes to Ole Miss, might be an interesting place for him to go. What do you think, Mitch? Big 12. Oh, if he goes to the Big 12. Oh, it'll just taste like chicken. It'll be so good. He fits in uh, to every fantasy-relevant Big 12 school. Mm-hmm. So go to the Big 12 and flourish. Uh, he's going to be some – he's going to be the guys that are in our – initial mock drafts that fall to the 
21st round that we we pick and mm-hmm. that he will he will gradually go up if he goes to Baylor if he goes to Oklahoma State I, seriously like any Big 12 school he fits perfectly I like to see go him. go there and flourish Kansas State Texas was the 10. team that kind of came to my mind uh where you got you don't have like a set guy at wide receiver but you got Deuce Vaughn so they're gonna be throwing to him a lot but again you need a, like if Adrian Martinez needs a guy to just chuck it deep to i have to feel i have a feeling that trey shropshire would be a perfect fit there i again i like trey shropshire he caught my eye so many times this year uh really caught my eye first in the georgia game because he didn't do a lot during that game but man did they go to him over and over again he got behind some of our dbs every once in a while so i like what i see out of him definitely a high potential player we, we talked about jackson dart going to west virginia uh why don't he follow him and oh, go would, there and give I'd him and give him to a top that. off guy. It would be beautiful. Be beautiful. So we talked about quarterbacks. We talked about running backs. We talked about wide receivers. Got one tight end. I feel like we should talk about and that is Mr. Jaleel Billingsley out of Alabama. Entered the transfer portal after the championship game. And also, if you had told me by the end of this week that Bama would have more offensive players in the transfer portal than Georgia, I would have lost that bet. I would have lost that bet. Um, but even so. Who else? Who else? I missed it. Who else is in the um, portal? Paul other than Tyson, Billings? the quarterback, is gone. Javon Baker is gone. Um, trying to think. There's there's another wide receiver, I believe, entered this week off the top of my head. But those are the three main guys that kind of come to my head off the top of my head. But Georgia, on the offensive side of the ball, has only had Justin Robinson enter the transfer portal this week. Okay. Uh, let me go my take on Billingsley real yes. quick. Um. Again, Alabama, they're always on television. They're always fantasy relevant. They normally come on during the time of the day where I get to watch a lot. I am not an Alabama fan. Mm. I was watching the game. Uh, Billingsley made a couple of critical errors early mm-hmm. in, uh, in the game. Um, what scares me about Billingsley is I don't think he takes to – he didn't take to this coaching staff. Mm. And if you don't take to this coaching staff – you worry me. So what kind of coach does he need to go to to get him to be the player that he can be when he wasn't being coached, when he just went out there and played? Because remember, everybody got hurt and he got thrusted into like a wide receiver one role, even from the slot. And he's not a tight end. You can slide that TE off. He does not mm-hmm. he does not line up by the tackle and play. This is not Bowers or anybody like that. Yeah. However, uh, Billingsley has a lot of talent, but he just he just makes me nervous. If you can't get coached by Saban and staff, and you go to Tennessee, I, I just am nervous about it. So, so I'll, I'll be way off of this. I would say where where okay, so you're gonna be way off of this, and that's fine. I think it's perfectly reasonable. Again, like he's had every opportunity to succeed this year. He was in Saban's doghouse this year. He's come back from it. Really, like you said, he had he had a a chance to be the guy in the championship yep. game for Bama very early, and they moved off of him after he had repeated mistake after mistake after mistake. So you're completely off of him. What school would make you, like, if he landed there, would make yeah, you... Yeah, second thought, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, okay. Cincinnati uses their tight ends. Their tight ends are good but not great. We spot shadow them all the time in the, hey, these are really crappy tight ends that you can get a, a daily playoff of, mm-hmm. and their coach is outstanding. So if somebody is going to coach them up, I'll, I'll take their staff. So it has to be somebody like that 
a very strong coach in a system with tight ends. And I have a feeling that that's my, uh, Iowa. So he goes to Iowa. I say, I'll start listening. Tight end school, well coached. I'll start listening. I just, I'm no, going to throw one, I, I'm gonna throw one more uh, school out there that I'm, I want to get your thought on. LSU, Ryan Kelly, been very successful yeah. with these wide receiver tight end blends. We saw how LSU was using Eric Gilbert. I mean, obviously that wasn't Brian Kelly, but even still, yes. like they have a they have a history of developing um, fantasy relevant tight ends. So, you think Could LSU be might another. be another option for him? Could be another, and again, a very solid coach, tight end centric. That's what we need. Yeah. No schools like that. If he goes to again, just Maryland, just a team with a good uh, quarterback, a good offense. And a good coach, I I will I couldn't stay far enough away. No, I think and, and again, I know this isn't the draft show, but if he does go to one of those schools, he's going to be a very high selection because people are going to say, "Hey, now he's at you know Maryland, and they don't have a you know a number one or what have yeah. you." And I I will not run faster away. Again, he was a very solid reason they were losing at the beginning of the national championship mm-hmm. he kept messing up so anyway uh i'm gonna pass yep fair enough and so you now have a list of guys that you're gonna kind of run through here real quick that yes. you titled big faces small places so run through those guys real quick and tell me what they all have in common that you're really looking for in the transfer yes. portal with uh destinations this year all right. When when anytime I start talking and it's it's a lot, there are more things to talk about now than ever because of NIL and that everybody can switch. But back in the day, uh, when a guy went from a big school to a small school, those were the guys that I was very interested in. It seemed like at running back and wide receiver, you almost couldn't miss with these guys who went from uh, the big face. To a small place. So let me go through a couple. All right. So Ajo Ajo Clemson goes to South Florida. First thing that I want to do is look for these guys with physical talent that go to big schools that are four or five stars. And he goes to South Florida. South Florida has had fantasy relevant wide receivers in the uh, recent history. And I think that he could be that guy again. And he costs you nothing in a draft. Same thing, I'll go at running back Sean Shivers. Shivers goes from the SEC to Indiana, and I think he has talent. When I saw him run, he was every bit as good at and as running as Tank Bigsby and the like. He could go to Indiana. He could thrive immediately, and again, he's going to cost you nothing. Jacob Copeland going from Florida to Maryland, and I guess I got Maryland on my mind, but it's a, it's a really good offense. Uh, the kid has a, a lot of physical talent. And again, what I look for are those guys that are four and five star talents that are getting to go somewhere that just is a little easier. It could have been the, the environment in the school, how large the school was or program or coaching. And the last one on my list, and there's a couple more to hit on, but the last one that I think is the most exciting is Amante Watkins. And almost nobody knows who this guy is. I didn't really know who he was until the other day. And then I looked today and thought, this is a guy I want to spot shadow. So we got a running back that's going from TCU to New Mexico State, who is a four-star running back. Look, these guys don't get four-star running backs. And why couldn't this guy be 
a thousand yard rusher and 10 touchdowns for nothing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people look at the transfer portal and who to draft first. I look at the transfer portal as who to draft last. Nope, I think that is absolutely fair. And again, Amante Watkins, I saw him on 247's transfer portal rankings the other day, and I was shocked because I was just like, I've never heard of this guy before, but 247 has him as a transfer rating of .90, which I was like, okay. Like, I, I've I've seen, like, guys go from, like, four-star to three-star in the transfer portal, stuff like that, but they kept this guy as a four-star. And he's going to New Mexico State, and I'm just like, hmm, I'm going to keep an eye on you. You might be somebody to look out for here in a little bit. Um, so, Mitch, I appreciate now, how you. How do you, in general, look at that? Do you agree? Do you disagree? What's your point? How I mean, do I, you I look mean, at the transfer I, I, portal before we bounce? I think it's one of those things where, again, it depends on where you're playing. Because you, CFF, I think you're ready to go. Um, I think it is a, a good idea to look at and be like, all right, this guy's downgrading a little bit. Maybe he's going to get some opportunity um, to kind of shine, especially once they get into conference play. When they're playing Power Five, a group of five, Power Five, stuff like that, um, you might be a little bit, you might be a little hampered there because, you know, you're playing up to competition and everything. Maybe they don't just don't do as well. But again, when once they get into that com- conference play, it's like why we love these Mac running backs and stuff like that. You never play them when they're playing a Power Five team, but man, once they play against each other, they're golden. Um, in terms of like how you might want to view this in like C to C, or even like a Devi league or something like that. It's a little bit of a red flag sometimes when you see a guy that you want to do well, feel the need to go down a level of competition or perform well. It's a little bit of a red flag. But even still, like I said at the beginning of the show, a lot of times it's just a second opportunity. A lot of times it's just a guy needing a change of scenery. And now he works better with the coaching staff. They're able to coach him up better. And he's still going to be great. He's still going to be drafted well in the NFL draft. Two guys that came to my mind, and quarterback is the position that scares me the most on the guy going down. Because if you're a good quarterback at a good program, they rarely, you know, want you to leave. Mm-hmm. But Woody Barrett and Malik Willis yep. were both guys. They were four star guys. They were athletic dual threat uh, guys that went down in competition, and both were super fantasy relevant for college fantasy football. Now, I'm definitely, uh, I would throw up monstrous red flags in Debbie. Yeah. Uh, if your guy goes from Alabama to Alabama State, he's probably not <laughs> going to start for Tampa Bay. It's no. just not going to happen. But we're not talking about that today. So, again, last one for me. Look for those dual uh, threat uh, quarterbacks that enter the transfer portal and go down in conference. Those are the guys that tend to hit the most often. I think that's absolutely fair. And, and not like Chase Bryce. Who no. goes down, but is a, th- a thrower because then you got to get the offense in. When you're the offense and you go from Alabama to Southern Miss, the offense with with you went mm-hmm. with you. So anyway, I that's it. fair. Man, thanks uh, for having but, me on, dude. I had uh, a lot but, of fun. But, I appreciate it. Before we move on from transfer portal news, I'm just going to run through some additional names of interest. We're not going to talk about this, but it's just names you should probably keep an eye on. Christian Beal Smith, starting running back for Wake Forest, is transferred over to South Carolina. South Carolina is. Sucking up so much offensive talent out of the transfer portal. Isaiah Nayor, former wide receiver one at Wyoming, transferring over to Tennessee. I like that one a lot. Montreal Johnson, running back out of Louisiana, following Billy Napier to Florida. Definitely one to keep an eye on there. Probably running back by committee, but again, just somebody, something to keep an eye on there. Amani Bailey, running back out of Louisiana, transferring over to TCU. With them losing Zach Evans, maybe take a look around there. 
Uh, we talked about Jared Deggy from West, Vir- West Virginia to Western Kentucky already. Austin Jones, running back out of Stanford. A lot of people high on him last year. He's in the transfer portal now. Maybe he's one of these guys. Goes from big name to small pond, like Mitch is saying. Frank Ladson, wide receiver out of Clemson, is now moving on to Miami. I know a lot of people are excited about that one. I'm not super excited about that one. We'll see kind of going forward. I think if you're going to get a Miami guy, you get one that's already in-house. Uh, Justin Robinson, uh, wide receiver out of Georgia and Mississippi State. That one's going to fly under the radar, but I'm telling you from practice reports I've heard from Georgia, Robinson is an excellent ex-receiver, and you should absolutely expect him to maybe at least push for that starting lineup at Mississippi State going forward. And the last one here, another tight end, Kamar Gamble, tight end out of Florida. He has announced that he is transferring to UCF today. So those are all just names that are out there. Quick rundown, write them down. Maybe you forget about them in five minutes. We'll see. If they, if it's somebody we really want to talk about, we'll have plenty of opportunity this offseason. So we've hit the transfer portal. That's been the main thing here today. Just so many guys to talk about. Constantly news being updated. But unless you've been sleeping under a rock for the past week, obviously the biggest thing to happen in college football this past week was this game. The national championship between Alabama and Georgia. And Mitch, we discussed this game quite a bit before we even got on here, but I could take this a thousand different ways because I'm a Georgia fan. There's so many things I could point out in this game. So I'm going to let you start the discussion and we'll kind of go from there. What did you think about this game? What were the things that stood out to you? All right. So first, just a few seconds again, I want to say congratulations when you say you're a Georgia fan in fantasy circles. I believe you are the Georgia fan. So it's always fun when your team wins. So congratulations with that. That's super cool. So a couple of things. Uh, One is the way I watch the game. I watch the game on the Skycam broadcast. And if you haven't been a part of any of the Skycam broadcast, what you get is an overhead view of the game with the announcer in the back at the game. No Kirk Herbstreet, no anybody. What this uh, makes you do if you're a guy who really watches football is you have to watch. Yep. I actually watched uh, Jamison go down and didn't get the analysis. And while I wanted to switch channels to see, you know, is he coming back? Is he coming back? I stuck with it because the guy in the booth doesn't know. So my, my observations from the game from Skycam uh, right out of the gate was that Georgia seemed to be just a half a step ahead. And during the SEC championship, they seemed to be a step and a half behind. And when I saw Billingsley uh, blow a couple of third downs that led to early field goals, there's uh, a stat that I put up for uh, Mr. Lobb on Twitter. It used to really hold water. It doesn't happen very often in college football, but it held water. The team that a team that begins uh, their game with nine points generally loses because you only have so many scoring opportunities. And if you kick three field goals in a row, you lose two of those field goals were Billingsley's fault. So, you know, Alabama could have put more pressure on an offense that I don't know how you guys put up with Stetson Bennett all year. You're <laughs> uh, you're you, the metformin should be flowing in Georgia for high blood pressure. Um, I'm, so, I'm stunned that they really came back with that kid. It's a great story. Uh, but Ale- Georgia's team as a whole, almost every unit is better than Alabama's. Mm-hmm. And what's weird is talking to the number one Georgia fan that I know, you, before this show, you don't have confidence that you are going to roll next year. 
And what's weird is what I'm curious is, is this going to be fluke or have we seen a changing of the guard? And what's weird is I kind of think the guard's changing and you don't. So it makes me think that I might be uh, just seeing this through rose colored glasses. So I'll, 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 whatchamacallit, I'm not, I'm not correcting you because it definitely did sound like that's how I was thinking. I don't think this one game is the changing of the guard. Kirby's going to be around at Georgia for a long time to come. He's incredible at recruiting. And despite what people are saying, he is very good at development. Maybe not development at the QB position, but almost every other position on the field, except maybe again, QB wide receiver, everything else, he is golden at. Uh, William Poole went from being a liability in the SEC championship game where they got several touchdowns and over 100 yards on him to only holding 29 yards in the national championship that is development right there you don't turn around like that without a good coaching job right there and he had a massive breakup late in the game that kept alabama from converting a third and 12 that would have kept the drive alive that would have probably kept them or tied them back up in the game or really have taken the lead again um so i don't think this one game is a changing the guard the changing of the guard is going to occur over the next several years georgia and alabama as we've seen since really Georgia went to the national championship in 2017, facing Bama, that's when it started. That's when I think the changing the guard has started. A lot of people were worried that Georgia would continue to mess up and that changing the guard would never occur. I think now that Georgia has beaten Bama, it is like you're not going to see Georgia beat Bama from every time from here on out. Because Saban's going to always be there. He's a great coach. There's no denying that. But there's never going to be that air over the game constantly being like oh kirby can't win this one georgia can't win this one they can't get past bama no we've shown we can in the biggest of stages so it'll be interesting to see that what was once a zero and four start probably evens out over the years so i I could see like that record being three and five over the next couple of years and eventually especially once saban retires i know bama's gonna be able to get whatever coach they want in the country obviously um but once Saban retires and Kirby is still younger than Saban was when he arrived at Bama, I can definitely see Georgia becoming then the dominant program. And obviously, like okay. people are listening to me being like, oh, you're a Georgia fan. Of course you think you're going to become the dominant program. But like just yeah, not really, because earlier today you were being very objective. So like, it's almost like, almost to a fault, in my opinion. But keep going. But it's like it, it like from an objective standpoint, Kirby's done everything right in order to set up Georgia to succeed in the next decade to come. The recruiting is now, off the charts. So- so I want to I want to go I want to uh, I am not a part of the Georgia bandwagon. I'll mm-hmm. never get on the bandwagon with you. I'm not a fan. I'm not going to just become one just because they're good. No, fair so enough. this is coming from someone who I am not a fan of Georgia. They're just a team. It could have been Clemson, who I'm not a fan of, or Pittsburgh, who I'm not a fan of. I just watch for fantasy reason. But I, I want to throw something out there for anybody who cares. Um, I Googled worst quarterbacks to ever win the national championship during that game Mm -hmm. to see where Stetson Bennett would rank. I ranked or I Googled best college defenses ever. Mm -hmm. And I actually looked at the game logs for Georgia's wide receivers. Here's why I say all that one Georgia is for real, going to be for real and for realer or however you say, for more real. Uh, They won in spite of having the worst quarterback, in my opinion, to win a national championship 
since the 90s. That's one. Two, their best wide receiver, he barely played. Pickens. Mm -hmm. Pickens is their best guy. He barely played. Their best running backs, I think, are all of the kids who don't run as much as the kids who actually play. And they turned one of their best running backs into one of their best receivers with Cook. Mm -hmm. So you got a team who beats Alabama. They didn't luck into the national championship. When you, when you get to beat Alabama, at least you get to say, we won our national championship against Alabama. True. So they beat Alabama with the Heisman Trophy winner. And what most people believe, or at least I believe most people will believe, Jameson would have been the first wide receiver off the board as well. So uh, Heisman Trophy winner, best wide receiver in the country, with their best wide receivers not playing, their best running backs playing wide receiver, and the worst quarterback to win the national championship since Gino Toretto. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive. I would, I would say you so. got a program going when you can say all that. Another thing that I think people will point out, because a lot of people point out, oh, Bambo's having to rely on freshmen. All three of Georgia's touchdowns in the fourth quarter, all freshmen. Adonai Mitchell, t- uh, f- true freshman. Brock Bowers, true freshman. Keely Ringo, redshirt freshman. Georgia has right, some pieces. I'm not, not going to give you Bowers, though, because he's outstanding. Okay. Just because he's young doesn't mean he's the best. So uh, freshman, sometimes freshman is, is just an age. Look, mm-hmm. uh, Alabama, the game would have been even more competitive if Jamison wouldn't have been oh, yeah. injured. Without a but, doubt. But he was gimpy already. He was coming in where he wasn't 100%. And I believe uh, when a kid isn't 100%, that's probably what led him to his injury. Uh, I'm a big believer in one injury piles onto another. Mm-hmm. So when I saw him go down, it was very disappointing because I, I I do think he's awesome. I, I actually believe if you made me roll my dice that if Jameson were playing, Alabama would have scored to tie it up. It would have went into overtime and Georgia would have won this time instead of uh, losing like they did. With my heart would play. not have been able to take that. I'm just yeah. saying that right I, now. <laughs> Now, one more Georgia thing, and again, I, I, I'll just share with everybody. Again, I'm not a fan. I rooted for Herschel Walker when I was in the third grade. Do you know that they're one Tua insane pass away from beating them twice? Yeah. Yeah. So when you think of it like that, it's, it. you know, anyway, uh, I thought it was a great game. And again, I'll, I'll end with what I, what I started on. If you really want to love college football, turn off the commentators. Uh, it's almost today media in almost every way. Um, you got to really watch out or media gets in your way. Uh, even the stuff that, and certainly nothing that I say, but somebody like you who does this often, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't just look at Jared's list and use it. Uh, one, it's not fun mm-hmm. because then Jared kind of won the league and you didn't. So take 17 lists. Look at whatever you want to look at and roll the dice, flip a coin, but make it yours. I saw a lot of stuff at the end of the NFL fantasy year and at the, at the end of the college year with fans uh, lashing out at experts like you mm-hmm. saying you said this and you said that and this guy went off and you said he wouldn't uh, own your fantasy team, own your fantasy lineups. Uh, listen to folks like Jared for one for entertainment, uh, but more of just edutainment, mm-hmm. but it's still for entertainment. You shouldn't pick 
uh, Watkins because I said so. Do some research because that's what makes it fun. Otherwise, why don't you just send me 10 bucks of your winnings if all you're going to do is listen to me? And I so. think I think that's entirely fair. And this goes into the season as well. And like I encourage you guys all the time, like during the season, like reach out to me if you have questions like, hey, should I start this guy, sit this guy? I'll answer them all for you. I'll give you my thoughts. And I had several of you reach out to me at the end of the year, like uh, DMs and like adding me on Twitter being like, hey, thank you. You were the reason why I won this league and stuff like that. And like as, as heartwarming as that is and everything like that, you'll have to remember that at the end of the day, like you were the one that still made that lineup change at the end of the day. I didn't log into your Fantrax account and change it for you or anything like that. You were the one that made that decision at the day. Like whether it be like, oh, I disagree with, or I agree with you and I'm going to do that anyway. Give yourself some credit, but also give yourself the blame if you do mess up. Like at the same time, that's part of what makes college fantasy or just fantasy in general fun. When you have control over your teams like that, that's when the most fun it is. And that's what I'm looking forward to encouraging more people to do in 2022. And with that, I think we have really kind of reached the end of our show here. Mitch, I really appreciate you coming on, man. It is always a pleasure to be on this show or really any other show. Like you and I did the uh, the uh, CFFU pod with uh, Brandon Sanders a couple of months ago. And I still go back and listen to that one, even though it's like outdated information at this point. Because, man, that was just a fun show. I love having you on. You always bring great insight and just always asking me questions, making me think. And I think the audience appreciates that as well. Because again, as much as I like to talk and just put my thoughts out there, I think people like hearing me questioned. Like, again, it's part of the reason why. Um, but anyway. Um, well, Mitch, I, appreciate I appreciate it. And yes. I, I, I love the work that you guys are doing. Uh, and keep it up. And like I said, uh, same thing for the media. Have fun. Do, uh, do the stuff that you want to do because you want to do it not because uh, anybody's listening. So yes, I always sir. believe that if we had this conversation on the telephone with nobody listening or ever logging in, that we would say like the this. same thing. So, yep. So just be genuine. So I appreciate the time. And uh, anytime you need a, a guest spot, let me know. Absolutely, Mitch. Appreciate it, man. And y'all have a blessed day. Thank you. Let's go 2022.